Hey, Mac, when does deer season start? Well, if you want the best deer herd possible, Lanny, you need to start right now. Right now. That's, That's why right. we're starting our promotion. I mean, we've got a deer season starts now promotion on plantbiologic.com where you can pick up our game changer soybeans, our forage soybeans, and our spring protein peas. While you're there, you might as well go ahead and pick up some brassicas like our final forage and winter bowls. Yeah, stock up for the cool season planting right now. Listeners to the GK Podcast, if you use coupon code GKPOD, you can save an additional 10% off our entire selection of warm season, cool season, and clover food plot seed. Get started today and visit plantbiologic.com for an unforgettable fall. I am Jeff Foxworthy, and welcome to Gamekeeper Podcast. If you want to learn more about farming for wildlife and habitat management, then, buddy, you are in the right place. Join the Gamekeeper crew direct from Mossy Oak Land Enhancement Studio as they discuss the latest wildlife and habitat management practices, news, and, of course, hunting. There's no telling what you'll learn, but I'm going to tell you, I bet it's interesting. Enjoy. We're live in three, two, one. Oh, yeah. what is that? A mixed flock? Mm. Mm. I don't know. Well, that ought to get everybody going anyway. Yeah, right. So here we are, the Gamekeeper Podcast. We're on the countdown to turkey season. I think it's starting for the youth tomorrow. Tomorrow. That's right. Dudley's uh, got a Smiling. gleam in his eye. Well, yeah. He's going to get one from that before that European vacation. Yeah. yeah. Have you got your beret ready? Got my beret ready. Yeah, nice. That's good. Raspberry, too. So I'm looking at Mac. He's all excited. He caught an eight and a half pound fish this morning. I no, I didn't catch it. Brad Suggs called it. You got yeah. to hold it, though. I got to hold it yeah. and, and, and release it. I, I, did, I kind of felt bad releasing it. Well, that was yeah, a perfect you, pond fish, 100%. So, yeah, it's time to fertilize ponds. Isn't it getting that time? It is time to fertilize pond. That pond is one that we. <clears throat> Uh, we did something special with That's a few a years ago. Pond, you're exactly right. And all the bass in that pond are female. Mm. So they have no stress. Mm. They have no little lannies swimming around. All they got to do is eat and get fat. That's right. Yeah. And there's a lot And they of, don't have to worry about, I guess, another bass trying to secure a breeding opportunity. They, they don't. They might look for one, but they're not going to find one. <laughs> but so the theory is those fish don't have any stress. They, uh, put on weight. they just put on weight. Well, and, do they still engage in the act of trying to spawn i think they actually make some some row but their body ab- absorbs it back i could be wrong about that but i think that's what well, i think I'm, that's I'm how that happens sure. <laughs> I, I would think they'd be lonely yeah no, yeah yeah companionship's rough <laughs> so that that voice that everybody hears we've got <clears throat> one of our favorite guests of all time no doubt and uh mr george mayfield the one and only yeah, and uh, I tell you, you know, he's a great guy to talk turkeys to. I'm not so sure he's a great guy to have as a next-door neighbor. He's Land deadly. Well, I mean, he's deadly, and, you know. And that's why we joined forces. That's right. <laughs> so I have I have laid in the weeds listening to him over there calling, or at least I thought it was him calling. You know, I think, I might, he might, might have him. Well, that George? shot was a dead giveaway, <laughs> <Yeah>. wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. No pun intended. And then next to him, he's got Blake Dow, mm-hmm. who's from Livingston. Last yes, time sir. I ran into Blake. <laughs> we're going to go ahead and bring this up. Right off we're of going to right off of the go. Here. There was go. a turkey goblin, Lanny. Imagine that. And both and, of y'all were there. And guess who was there first? Uh, you. And, and I know. Bobby yeah, was you. there. Yeah. <laughs> he I, loves I didn't know he was there. He loves to get up early. I'm sitting there, and I start hearing somebody coming down, th- coming through the woods. I'm like, what in the world? And I'm on, kind, I'm kind of on the property, but I'm on my side. Kind of. This is the 
Uh, y'all were close. <laughs> we, we were close. But we, we, you know, we we encountered, but we didn't, you know, I I fought off the urge to, you know, bow up and do something. Oh, crazy. You're, yeah, you're bad to bow up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everybody knows how bad you are to bow but, up. But, but we, didn't, <laughs> we, we didn't end up killing that turkey. It was a big disappointment. It was, but we ended up ended up kind of talking and sat there and had a great conversation. I think we hunted two or three times after that, and uh, nice. well, here we are now. So yeah. Yeah, <laughs> nice true. morning, and, and really, that's the way Bobby and I met. I mean, we had seen each other before, but it was our conversations after the hunt on the hood of the truck. Yeah, that's right. You know, is how we got to know each other. Yeah, that's and right. That's. The, What's, that's the right way to do it. That's right. What's the phrase? Instant old friends? That's right. Yeah. Well, I mean, not all the people you run into on the property line are going to be your friends. That's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, in this case, and, and how long, how many years did we hunt as neighbors? It's been a long, long time. time. I was down there 20-something years. Yeah, it's a long time. And, uh, you know, I mean, that's a long time. And I actually hunted that place before – um the the people that have it now had it hmm. when it was all in natural timber and i mean so this is back in the 70s i was hunting out there oh wow so, we, we were chatting about it earlier but what what is it about property lines that seems to well the question is like why are they always over there right <laughs> i mean it's not right no I mean, matter where it, you I go mean, it, that it doesn't matter it doesn't uh you're wisconsin Blake's, he's been up in New York. I have too. Uh, all up in the, uh, in, there's, the property lines are a lot closer up in places like that as a rule. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> just to, not to get off the subject, but I hunted Connecticut once. And uh, to legally hunt Connecticut, you have to have paperwork on each place that you go. And so the guy that was taking us out that morning, uh, it was like he needed a secretary to hand me all the papers. And this was for about like a 200-acre tract. But the land had been so subdivided that you needed about six or seven different sheets of paper to be able to hunt that one little wooded area there. Hmm. Mac, would you so, fact-check him on that? I'm <laughs> telling you, this, now, I don't know what it is now. It's probably, that. I mean, I know they had turkeys back then. This was in the, I want to say 90s, late 90s. So you had to have written permission only. Well, you had to have paperwork yeah. saying that you had signed by the landowner, and he had done all this legwork. Hmm. And uh, this guy, we called him Smokey because he was constantly on fire. I mean, he was like, you know, chain smoker. And I forget how I really ran into this guy. It was through somebody else. But he was trying to kill a turkey in every state. And uh, so we let him come down here and kill some Alabama, Mississippi turkeys. And he took us on a trip up in Connecticut. Hmm. And all I remember about that was the paperwork and the fact that those turkeys love to get up on those little rock walls and gobble. Hmm. No, I bet they do. I mean, they do. You get up to a turkey and he's over the rock wall. You know, that's a property line. And uh, there's no paint. They don't do all that. And there's no signs or where we hunted anyway. Uh-huh. But uh, they hop up on that wall. Humpty <laughs> Dumpty. We'll <yell> at you. <laughs> you know? well, speaking of property lines, we also have Neil Hayes on here. Who Neil has never met a property line he didn't like. Yeah. <laughs> well, he owns most of them. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Neil, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing great. Good to see y'all. I'm 
enjoying the uh, the last day uh, that turkeys will not be legally hunted till the month of May in Mississippi. So. That's right. Starts yeah. tomorrow. After today, it's all it's a free for all. It's all yeah. for the kids for the first few days. Yeah. We need a turkey gobble on that on that <laughs> note there, Rich. An Eastern preferably there, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> do you have an opinion on that property line thing why are they always on the other side of the property line you know i don't there's probably uh everybody's got an opinion on that i usually just think that turkeys somehow have this sixth sense of knowing where it is i know that's not the case but that's what I, i'd like to believe that turkeys are smart enough what? to know where the property lines are and i would like to think that turkeys are smart enough to know that the people that hunt more or you know they try to distance themselves well, on the other property well, well i'll agree with you on that uh pressure is a is a real serious component as a uh, when you're guiding like blake and i do and or i used to anyway you know you always had to be cognizant of you know where the lines were and stuff like that for a lot of reasons you know it, I, it my experience has shown me that that they uh, they leave areas of pressure and uh, mm-hmm. they know real quick when you, when you're serious and when you're not. And, uh, and there's another factor that I noticed out in green County when it first crossed my mind, but there's such a diversity in these properties these days. And uh, that diversity has a tendency to lend stability to the habitat and, uh, and therefore, it will be something there for all seasons for the for the turkeys and the deer and all wildlife for that matter. So I think that uh, fact that it's owned by different landowners and it's being treated differently over a period of time is is one of the other reasons that they seem to be uh, on the other side of the line, uh, except for the fact that I I always believed that those neighbors of mine had more money and they were feeding more (laughs) but i think there's more to it than that yeah that's a good point that hard edge you know the line between the pines and the hardwoods or the mm -hmm. the five-year-old stuff and versus the 60-year-old stuff they're just going to end up that's right hanging out against that they're going to move yeah Yeah, i mean last year last year i called a turkey uh across there's a creek separating where i was hunting and, and the neighbor and and the two turkeys were gobbling on the neighbor. And so I sat down to them and knew I had to call them across this creek and, you know, from one property to the next. And anyway, long story short, came across, killed the turkey, cut him open later. And his crawl was, you could not have stuck another piece of Milo in his crawl if you tried. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so that, that's, that's obviously one thing is, you know, people feeding turkeys. And, uh, and I think like, you know, pressure in my opinion would be the main thing. And then obviously there's research to back that up now where, you know, turkeys are all in one area and then hunting season starts. And especially on public land, whenever the, the whole public land track may be full of turkeys and then three days into the season, there's no turkeys anymore. They're all moved off onto the private land. So I think pressure would probably, you know, have to be the number one cause of turkeys being across property lines. I, I think you're right on that. I, you know, I recall a, a, a time up in Missouri, I was guiding up there around Kabul and, um, I was amazed at, at the habitat and how many turkeys there used to be. And there's still a good many turkeys up there in, in the Ozarks. And uh, uh, I would pull up to a spot that was a likely looking spot, you know, on government land and they'd gobbler tracks everywhere. And, uh, you know, so I'd call and sure enough, I'm turkey gobble, you know, most of the time. And uh, But I never had any 
real luck just peeling off that hill and going out there and sitting down. I mean, Turkey wasn't 200 yards from me when he would gobble a lot of times on the next ridge over. And I'd go out there and cut the distance and sit to him. And he'd come part way and he'd hang up. And it's happened and happened and happened and happened. You know, and I was going like, I know something ain't right. And um, I finally figured out, you know, if you approach that turkey from at least from the flanks or the other side, it'll run over you. And I think that uh, is, is another example of pressure uh, where, you know, those birds have been pr- most likely yelped to a lot and maybe even yelped up toward the highway or the road and bumped or obviously not killed. And they learn from that and they just... They they respond, but they won't come. I think that's the second free tip we've already gotten already. So before, so so let's kind of hold right here. We got a couple things we got to do. A little housekeeping and um, Lanny's. You're looking at me like, hey, what? Who is sponsoring today's episode? And I always want to know who's sponsoring this today's episode. Mac, who who are we getting? What do we got, Mac? What lucky person? Tractor. LS tractors. LS tractors. Love those things. We have become a fan. Yeah. Since meeting those folks uh, six six months ago, been so impressed with with the company and the tractors. Oh, no doubt about it. That little they've got the, the sizing on their tractors is just right. Is the best way to put it. They, it's perfect for the gamekeeper, the food plotter. Uh, I think it's like a fifty seven horse is, and you can even pull it on a double axle sixteen foot trailer. But it's cabin air. Front bucket, front wheel assist, so you can get some stuff done with it. Great little units. Yeah, I mean, they've got all sizes. I think they start at 25 horsepower, somewhere in that neighborhood, and go up up. to 100. Yeah, they do. So, big, really nice track. And Toxie had one for several months this fall, and he actually liked it. No, we planted a lot of food plots uh, with the bigger tractor uh, this fall using the um, Furminator uh, behind it. So, it did really well. So, it's a great unit. Yeah, sure is. So, guys, what's that website, Mac? It is lstractorusa.com USA. So go check them out, guys. They they were real impressed with them. LS tractors. These tractors are blue, so I often mistake them for a New Holland. Is and and I started noticing, and they've got a an LS logo on them instead of a New Holland. Uh, but they've been great units that, you know, we're still in the, we're pretty hard on equipment around here and they've made it through the first fall. So yeah, uh, it's exciting. Yeah, we are. We're real proud of our relationship. So we want to turn our attention back to George and Blake and we, we've got some questions. One of the things, what I don't want to do is rehash the last two episodes. Sure. We, we've talked to you and we want to try to plow some new ground. If you, how you like that analysis? Oh, yeah. Plow new ground. I love plowing new ground. Springtime. So let, let's, let's kind of kick this thing off and talk a, first off, and, and it can go in a bunch of different directions. Mac, feel free to jump in here. Mac's very inquisitive. He'll, he'll have a lot of questions if we turn him loose. So, we want to right off the bat. I want to ask about gobbling is a risky business. When that turkey's up there in the tree gobbling, when he's on the ground gobbling, you and I've talked. There's got to be a reward for the risk he's taking. And we've lightly talked in the past about how there are a d- bunch of different types of gobbles. Uh-huh. But I'd like for you just to kind of talk about that risk reward and uh, the importance of him gobbling. Well, you know, the the primary function of gobbling there's actually there's two of them. And uh, one is, of course, is uh, attracting hens, you know, for reproductive purposes. Uh, and the other one is uh, establishing and maintaining uh, territory. Uh, that's the, the basic functions of gobbling. Now, it must feel good. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. you think it does. I mean, I don't know. I, I, 
I've gobbled a few times in my yeah. life. <laughs> but, but you know, uh, it, it has to have a, a positive impact. The, the risk, of course, is uh, is letting everybody uh, in the world know where you are. Mm-hmm. And if you're uh, a prey species like the turkey is, you know, I mean, there's a lot of things out there besides us that want to eat you too. And they they hunt year round, and so there's and turkeys gobble a good bit. They don't just gobble in the spring; they gobble. I mean, I I've heard them in the rain in the winter time. You know, I mean, places times you would never think you'd hear one. So, so it's not uncommon for turkeys to gobble. Uh, I used to think it was, you know, but uh, but anyway, the 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 goblin comes with with the risk. Uh, one of the one of the angles on it, though, that always had me thinking as a young man was like, okay, well, uh, they got a voice, and I, I was li- I loved to listen. I mean, I, I wasn't that good at getting close to them when I first started, but I had good ears. My mother had good ears; she could hear anything. And uh, but anyway, I inherited those and. And I could hear a difference in the voices of these turkeys. Hmm. Now, you can believe it or not. But no, I, mean, I, 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 know I, could, I It was like, okay, I know that one. And it wasn't just because he was there. I mean, that has a lot to do with it now because I really don't hear that well anymore. But but I could I could tell that that turkey sounded different than this turkey and these turkeys. And it wasn't always that obvious. But particularly the more mature turkeys seem to have a different voice. And uh, so... With that said, <clears throat> you know, you've heard the hens, uh, the stories about the hens. And I raised, my grandmother raised turkeys, and and they were wild turkeys. They were tame domestic turkeys, but they were still turkeys. And, and uh, that hen could cluck, and she'd be around other hens with other poults, and her little poults would squat or come. And, you know, I, they knew the mama's voice. So there's a voice recognition there. And I think that was one of the discoveries that I made early on. Okay, well, if these gobblers, they can establish and maintain territory with their voice, that means they don't have to get together and fight all the time, although they do. You know, they, they flock up in the wintertime, and they're, they're grouped up. There's a gobbler's group right now. Right now. Mm-hmm. But it depends on how far along in the reproductive progression they are, but they're going to eventually split up. Some will become subordinates. And uh, they will just, as that testosterone in, in these individuals rises toward the peak of breeding and, and pre, uh, peak of reproduction, the conflict will increase. But there is a disadvantage in, in the amount of conflict. Uh, they can hurt each other. They, they, they're wasting energy, basically, is what they're doing. It's more important. I don't think they kill each other that often. I've never seen it, but I've heard that it's happened before, but uh, I, they they're spending that that valuable energy that they spent all winter collecting in fat stores. I remember we were at camp once, and this guy shot this turkey, and somebody else had guided him too, and he was cleaning his first turkey, and he threw him in the trash can, and I was like big old fifty five gallon drum, you know, he threw the whole turkey in the trash can. What? Whoa! Whoa! Now what's what? It's a problem here. And he saw the breast sponge. He thought it was cancer. Oh, it was. <laughs> I said, give me that turkey, man. Come no, on. That's right. yeah. But it's a gelatinous 
pretty nasty looking material. It is. But that's what he spent all winter, you know, storing up the fat stores, you know, to to complete the reproductive progression without having to spend a lot of time feeding. Well, they don't need to spend a lot of time feeding, nor do they need to spend a lot of time fighting. fighting. Okay. Hmm. It's just that simple. So uh, these voices are important from a turkey hunting standpoint because in the king, and I might have mentioned the king before he was the king to me, he was my mentor. And uh, being Ezel from Aliceville, Alabama, uh, he's a magician. I mean, he could kill a turkey when there wasn't any turkeys. It's the damnedest thing I've ever seen or been around. But he knew turkeys better than anybody I've ever known in my life. And uh, But he he told me, he said, that old turkey knows who the, his ladies are, and he recognizes their voices. And they used to run these lead frame calls. And he could he could manipulate that lead frame Maybe. around. I don't know. It might be why he's not with us anymore. But, you know. But anyway, he could change the sound of his calls by. Was it, he trying to sound like another hen yes, that he could hear? So. Exactly. <clears throat> I, and I know I'm getting way off subject here, but no, we were we were we were up in South Dakota. One of the first times I ever went. And and he lined all this up, and and my they he called me Opie. That was my nickname. Ope, go get a beer, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, hold a hold a light, Ope. <laughs> but anyway, we were up there, and uh, I was we were gonna get to hunt. Ron Doobie, he was the president of Wyoming Outfitters Association, I believe, at the time. But he sponsored this hunt and had these outdoor riders in. And we were going to guide these outdoor riders. And as soon as we got them their turkey, we could go hunt. So that was the deal. So we're out there. And first afternoon out, Ezo went out there and got, I got it in turkeys too. And But he had them jumping, you know, rope. And I couldn't even get one to answer me. And uh, <clears throat> got back that night and he started I, I was, you know, on the sly, kind of like, what, what's what's going on? And um, he said, you didn't hear them little hens? I said, yeah, they sound a little funny, a little high pitch. He said, yeah, give me that call. So I, he made some calls for me, and uh, I used to run his calls, and I would run the uh, that triple, that, that biscuit. Neil Cost used to call that thing a biscuit in his mouth. <laughs> that hmm. triple stack oh, the frame. triple stack? Yeah, the oh, primo man, stack yeah. frame. Well, uh, anyway, he he said, "Look, si- try to sound like that little hen," and uh, and I did, and it worked. So back to the the voices. Uh, that's why those vests kind of come in handy for some people. You know, you got different calls; they mm. sound different, and you run them different. And turkeys. Sometimes they respond to those voices, and sometimes they don't. Sometimes it doesn't. A squeaky door hinge will work, you know, mm-hmm. if you catch them right. But sometimes they won't. And uh, so that in itself, right there, is is you know something that that I've learned to be very cautious of. And uh, what I, I I try not to ever let a turkey that I know, not just a turkey, but a turkey I know, hear me. Until I'm wanting to hear. Mm-hmm. 
You understand? I do. It's very important. <laughs> you know, you don't throw everything in the kitchen sink at him right off the get go and think, you know, that's going to work. It's just, you know, don't do that. Yeah. Or you go, he's going to know more, more about you than you're going to know about him. Well, you've said many times when we were leaning across the hood of the truck, once you call, it's kind of, uh, you, you, I hate that. <laughs> yeah. I hate to have to do that. One of the first things he ever taught me, just growing up with him, one of the first things that he made me understand was he would tell me, he said, if I have to call in the first place, I've already failed because mm-hmm. I'm not sitting where the turkey wanted to be in the beginning. Mm-hmm. So then you have to use that call, but you're not only risking that turkey knowing your call, but other turkeys that are there as well, they'll hear it. And then especially if you go in there and kill the other turkey, well, they'll know. They'll they associate learn. that the sound. sound. Yeah. They, exactly. They 100%. Learn. They really do. Not all of them do. A lot of them are in the cabinet, you know, hanging up on the wall somewhere. They don't all learn. Yeah, (laughs) a lot of them don't learn. But but if you like me, I like to call at them. So that kind, you know, that's kind of my my, listen. One of my joy. Not saying that at all, but I I totally get that. And uh, and there's no doubt. That that I've spent my life calling to turkeys. I don't want anybody to think that I, you know, sit right to them every single time. Yeah, That's yeah. Impossible, no, but, but there is yeah. so much to that. If you sit right, mm-hmm. if you're if you're halfway right, and then you call, it's a slam dunk. You're making it hard on yourself. Most people end up sitting wrong and trying to make a turkey do something. You're not going to make him do something if he doesn't want to do. You see, so if you have an understanding, uh, particularly a history, I mean, there's such an advantage in the history. The sitting right is positioning yourself, and, and and it's really basic. If you're if you're hell bent on killing that turkey, you you have to uh, you have to call and. From a place that when he, I always try to put something between me and the turkey. I don't ever want to go eye to eye, open air, open air with the turkey. I I want that turkey to come around a vertical corner or a horizontal corner. Like a vertical or horizontal would be a ridge top. I want to be sitting shotgun distance from that Mm -hmm. object, whatever it is. Okay? If you sit back, from it out of shotgun range and he comes to where he can see he's gonna stop, stop. and he's gonna look for the hen if you called him from the hill over there he comes up he gets the the advantage the visible advantage and he stops and looks that's god that's he lives by his eyes you know and his ears but his eyes primarily and he'll stop and look he sees what he wants to see He'll come. If he doesn't see anything, then he's going to pause. Now, he might come anyway as long as you don't say anything. When he gets up on top of that or around that corner and looking, you got him. Just shut up. (laughs) Because if you call at that point and he pegs you where you are and where you're supposed to be, uh, unless he's a complete fool, which there's a bunch of them out there, two-year-olds, you know, I mean, they're out there. There's, you know, the pyramid of population. I mean, there's a lot more two-year-olds than there are six-year-olds out there. I mean, but he's going to look. And if he doesn't see you and you shut up long enough, he might not come. 
but more than likely he will break off that ridge or come around that brush pile and just can't stand it. Going to take a look. And that's when you kill him. But you got to sit right the first time. You got to sit where you can kill him when he makes that mistake. I think last year we were talking about this, you know, about this article. I brought an article and this guy called at this turkey. He's looking at down this little alley and, and he just, he locked him up. Everybody's worried about hanging turkeys, hanging up on that. Well, it's timing. It's when you call and it's when to shut up more importantly. So, uh, is that, Boy, they, I hang a lot of them up, Lanny. I, I don't know. I'm like world class <laughs> at hanging them do. up. We, we, we all. The Look, biggest the, calling is so so much fun. Well, right? the biggest part of that side of it was like whenever you were trying to teach me how to sit right to the turkey. Now that was the hardest thing for me to understand, especially as a young boy, you know, seventeen, whatever, in high school. But once I figured out that if I just sit there and eliminate that turkey being able to see me and get him to come where I need him to be in gun range, when I see the turkey, I need to be able to kill the turkey. Mm-hmm. That's whenever you want to see him. The longer he, the longer you can see him, he can see you, and you're most likely to make a movement that's going to definitely spook him or a yeah. sound or something of that nature that's going to make him either do one or two things. He's going to lock up, strut, gobble, turn around, go the other way, or he's going to walk up there and turn around and go the other way. In my opinion, like the most fun turkey hunt you can have for me – or the most pleasurable experience is sitting down where you can't see past gun range because I'm sure like all of you, the most fun hunt is hunting a turkey, you know, using your ears and have the, enjoying the entire hunt all the way up to the shot, you know, hearing the turkey and hearing all the things that happen as opposed to that's why I don't, you know, it doesn't really appeal to me hunting in Nebraska and Kansas as much as it does here because everything you do is out in the open and you can see the turkey from 500 yards away. And part of the suspense for me is not seeing the turkey until the last second and mm-hmm. the suspense of hearing him and the, you know, hearing him walk through the leaves or drag his feathers through the leaves, strutting or drumming. drumming. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. All of that is, is and, and the intensity that builds up. And then all of a sudden, the second he pops up and he's 30 yards away and, and you got to make a real quick move, whatever it may be. Uh, but he's, you know, he's trying to find you and you're trying to find him. And it's that that game you're playing. Uh, and for me, the most intense and, and most enjoyable hunts are always the ones that end like that, where it's you're in some type of a thick wooded area where you just can't see past 40 yards. Amen. Um, Amen. And, and they will get in those thick places, won't they? Oh, yeah. yeah. They will. People talk about that all the oh, time. Yeah. I can't believe he was in that stuff. Well, where do you think the hen's nesting? Yeah, I mean, he, you know, they follow those hens off when when hens get scarce. And, and yeah, Neil, he, you're exactly right. Uh, I, you know, closeness. Uh, measure the intensity <laughs> when when that bird gets close. It it yeah. just swells up in you. Oh. I mean, it's just <laughs> like I'm about to bust, you know, and I know he's right there, and I'm I'm excited, and, and my temperature is rising, and and you know, I. I I might even shake a little bit every now and then. You know, I mean, and and that's that's what that's what that's what yelping up one is all about. It's about that closeness. (laughs) (laughs) It's like uh, Mister Rogers said. It's it's a good feeling. Oh yeah, yeah. (laughs) But uh, you got a question? No, I I was just saying, like, uh, you know, I. Flipping through social media, uh, people posting videos and stuff of turkeys gobbling. I get more fired up where you just see bits and pieces of the turkey through a treetop. 
than the you know the videos of just one out in the. It is cool getting to see the, you know, like the smoke coming out of their mouth and all that. But I like the suspense of it just being right around the corner and gobbling. And, oh, I agree a hundred percent. Well, Nothing like having your gun barrel pointed one way and you think he's going to be right oh, there, Lord. and then he gobbles by. Oh, yeah. Now, that is <laughs> intense. Yeah. And I, I can't course drumming. I, yeah. I don't know about y'all, but well, I think it's hard. hard. Yeah. It's very hard, and, and the older you get, the harder it is. Uh, I, I totally agree. That low-frequency sound, is it's meant to be that way, though. Hmm. That's another – you know, what Neil's saying about the audio, it, I mean, how would it be? And, and, and my mentor, the king, bless his heart – in his last few years that he hunted, he couldn't hear. And uh, and I I I told a story uh, about him and him and I and dealing with that. And uh, you just have to read it one day if I ever get that book done. But uh, the it's turkey hunting for me has always been about the audio. Now, uh, if you hunt down south, just like what Neil was saying, if you hunt down south, you you, you know. It's all about the briars and the rattlesnakes, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I mean, you you learn that, uh, yeah, turkeys used to be in the fields. Do you all see turkeys in the fields like you used to? Well, no. I, you I, know. I'm talking about the, you know driving down the highway kind Big of stuff. Big you don't pastures. see them any. I, I mean, used to. I, honest to goodness, wrecked a Ford F two fifty four wheel drive, brand new, nineteen seventy nine. <laughs> I got a picture of it. Upside down in the ditch, flipped it, looking at turkeys in the cow <laughs> Now I cut the whole top fruit. off of it. What I did, it didn't. I mean, I'm Lord. I, Take care. God of has been good to me. Yes, sir. And he, and I'm <laughs> telling you, that's the truth. Big long sloping curve out of Aliceville going to Carrollton, and there was what's in pine trees now used to be in a cow pasture. And I saw those gobblers, and they were way across that field. There and I just he was. kept looking, and all of a sudden, <laughs> uh, that curve, uh, I, was, I was on the wrong side of it. <laughs> Crap and, up on and, you. And you know what? When I jerked it back up, they all had those old uh, mud grips. What they, what, Cues. Buckshots. Buckshots. Co-ops. You know when you get worried? You don't get worried when they squalling. When they ain't making no When noise. they go, <laughs> that's when you get worried because, buddy, you're airborne. Yeah. <laughs> and I took that sucker upside down in the ditch <clears throat> and over turkeys. It was probably justified back then. <laughs> <laughs> did, you, did you spook the turkeys? I don't know. I, I wonder never, if they. I, I wouldn't go near those turkeys. <laughs> mm. uh, but now you just don't see them anymore. Um, in these fields now, of course, we got turkeys in our fields. We got cameras out, and you know, there's turkeys there. But used to, you could drive along, and you'd see turkeys everywhere you on display. Yeah, yes. Right. Well, those areas yeah. that I grew up in, full of cow pasture, y'all all know how it is down through there. But there used to be turkeys in those fields all the time, all the time. Yeah. And nowadays, you go in there, and those turkeys very rarely ever enter those fields. They'll be around. Right, but very seldom do I see them come out in these big pastures. We always and, thought it was because of you, Blake. No, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't because of me. I no, killed a few no. of the turkeys. I'm not saying that that may not have an effect on it as well. You know, the pressure well, side of things. But I think it does. I think there are definitely other factors mm-hmm. that are in play right now that are keeping those turkeys out of those open areas and getting into thicker cover. 
I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Well, that makes sense. I think avian predation. What you're you know? saying, they've adapted to uh, to spend more time in thicker cover. There's no doubt about it. There's, and, yeah, and there was also, a, what we were we were we were talking about this types of gobbles. If I remember, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah exactly. Okay? And I thought of a point when Bobby was talking there uh, that something that stands out in my mind, and, and it also ties in with what Neil was saying. Uh, there is a what I call a demand gobble, and uh, it's a specific gobble. It's, it sounds a specific way, and I've heard it many, many times, and it, you all probably have too, but maybe not called it that. But it's the gobble that you hear sometimes when a gobbler will leave the limb. And, you know, a lot of times the hens will fly down first, mm-hmm. then the gobbler fly down either away from them. A lot of times he flies away from them, makes the hens come over come to the end. Uh, but, but, you know, there's no guarantee what's going to happen. But the demand gobble <clears throat> that's most uh, obvious to me, the one that I'm referring to, occurs only up in the morning about – anywhere from 8 to 10 o'clock in the morning. And it's usually about halfway through the the, the laying cycle. Uh, and it's when that the, the hens have segregated. They're, they're in their areas where they nest. They're, they're not grouped up anymore. And the gobblers, you know, if there's a couple, three gobblers left together, then one's obviously the dominant strutter and all that kind of stuff. But this gobbler will follow the hen that he's with that morning she's trying to lose him and he will follow her off wherever she goes toward the nest and they usually they're trying to lose this Volkswagen Mm -hmm. you know hollering and drumming and trying to get rid of this idiot you know Mm -hmm. and go lay and uh, they will invariably end up in a thick place and I'm talking about like what Neil you know you can't see you know 20 yards max and uh, I have followed many of them, especially out there in the dummy line when those that timber was big, hmm. and uh, the stuff between me and you on the backside, back toward the uh, to the north of your the dummy line, and they'd slip off and they'd go down through that pine timber, and it was a planted pine plantation that was about thirty five years old, and it was pretty mottly underneath, good nesting habitat, and. Uh, I'd follow him on the drumming. Hmm. <laughs> you know, just stay with it, crawling, you know, hoping I wasn't going to run into the, you know, the mm-hmm. little, you know, no shoulder buddies and stuff like that. I really never thought about that too much <laughs> until I did, you know. But, right. but uh, uh, and that hen would be successful in getting rid of him. And I'd be close, but I wouldn't know it. And all of a sudden, He'll gobble like three or four times, just like, I mean, he's mad. Mm-hmm. Demand, short burst gobbling. And if you if you got to move, you better move, and you better move quick, and you better get right there and get close as you dare and sit down. And if you say anything, just say it, and you'll be looking at him. Yeah. That is a demand gobble. Have you ever had heard that? I mean, it's it's it, it, it is... It's strong. He might not do it three times, but I've heard a bunch of them do it three times. 
I, I think I have. Hope. I mean, on up in the morning, and you, and it's been quiet, and it's been quiet, and it's been quiet, and all of a sudden, Just one step. Yeah, and then and then right silence. Mm-hmm. He's not gobbling at any particular thing. I mean, no. he's it's like, it, I lost her <laughs> at a distance. It just sounds like a pop. Yeah, pop. and you can't even hardly course it. it. It's like thrown down in the ground. He's not gobbling out. He's gobbling down. It's just like you know, like pounding his fist. Hmm. That is a gobble that I promise you. If you hear that and you're close enough to get there quick. Just get over there and, you know. Just chirp just, just a, a little bit. Just, you don't need to do, to do a, 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 a putt, fly down, you know, cue, cue, run, cackle. I promise you. You know, scratching the leaves. Yeah, I mean, that's, do that's what I've, I've heard. You know, and, and, but scratching the leaves. That is a kind of gobble that I have, I know is there and they use it. You know, that. all this talk about gobbling, though, it, it's, it's so interesting because a lot of it depends on how far you are from the bird, how it sounds, to which sure. direction he's gobbling. If he's gobbling away from you, and it because we've all been all the, in, in the humidity, been I mean, on everything a, depends yeah. in a tree, you know, and all of a sudden he's you can tell he's facing you. So there's a lot of lot of nuance to that, understanding what's going on. Remember what I was saying a while ago. What I I love to do. Listen, there's no substitute for that. Oh. It's not all about the gun. It's about the knowledge of the bird. And and you're not going to get it anywhere else. And it's not going to sound the same. And you can't record it and bring it back in and make it sound the same. There, That experience uh, that, that comes from not wanting to kill one, because if that's all you want to do, I mean, that's all you get. Yeah, you got to get right. past that. You, you, you know, I mean, and we all started at the same place now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I wanted to kill one. <laughs> I didn't want to be friends. I didn't want to get to know him. I didn't want to kill him. <laughs> you know, that's, I wanted to possess my. him. <laughs> you know, I wanted to have and hold him. That's right. And that's us. That's what hunters are. But, you know, as you as you mature or whatever you want to call it, you, you know, things change. And, and uh you know, then you become curious about, well, okay, what makes this work, you know, year round? I mean, that's the essence of wildlife management is is having an understanding of the bird, you know, in a year round capacity. You know, I, I used to give a bunch of dove hunts. You know, I mean, that's one of the ways I made a living. You know, I'd have these big corporate hunts and have a hundred and something people open day. And, you know, and I was amazed at how, many people that really loved to do that and shared it with their families and it was a great you know kind of a tradition of beginning of the fall hunting season and it was just a way of life down south you know is that you know turkeys do great on their own they don't need us they do a hell of a lot better without us honestly but uh they need habitat and you know we don't manage turkeys i mean you can think it if you want to but i don't believe it I, we mismanage them a lot more than we manage them, but we can, if we're going to try to make it better for them, we can manage their habitat that makes it conducive for them to be there successfully year-round. It looks like more people are burning right now than... than oh, Alabama, that, South that, that Alabama's on fire. Seen. That yeah. was the worst thing, at, in my limited opinion, okay? When they quit burning, yeah, that was a problem. Yeah. 
right. not just for turkeys, but for Everything. a lot of things. Oh, yeah. But that was a problem. And that has to do with the lawyers and, on, you know, la la. We yeah, all, we that's all right. understand that. But liability. Uh, liability. Yeah. But I'm going to tell you something. When, it makes when a big they difference. used to let those, you know, tree farm, everything's, you know. <laughs> One of the my pet peeves, uh, it's, it's, the old turkey's name, Wild Turkey. Thank God. <laughs> but he's the last thing we got this wild. We don't have any quail anymore. You go to, a guy was telling me about, he met a lawyer the other day. My mom was needing some work done and went into a young man and, and obviously made a little money and he's hunting and he's not from around here and he's going quail hunting. I go, really? <laughs> you know, where in the heck are you going to quail hunting? Yeah. Uh, oh, you know, and after he told me, I said, oh, okay, yeah, oh, I get it. I ain't got no wild birds anymore around here. You can hunt. Hell, it's like seeing an elk. If you you got a cover in your yard. I, I'd yeah. I'd shoot somebody for you if they yeah. they yeah. hurt them birds. You know. Lord. I mean, but you know, uh, but the the turkey is pretty much hanging in there, and he's still he's the only thing we got left. Wild. Hmm. Uh, I was going to point out a uh, a lesson we all learned from talking with George, and that's you know. The same thing with with really anything in life and as listening and not talking, you learn a lot more. And whenever you go out in the woods, yeah, the more you're calling and the more you're, you know, you're letting your presence be known, the less you're going to learn about the turkeys and what they do naturally. So if you go out in the woods, you know, the less you call and the less you interact with them, the more you can learn from what they would naturally do, you know you being removed from the woods. And so I think what Mr. why Mr. George, the number one thing that makes him so knowledgeable about turkeys is the amount of time that he spent in the woods, you know, with not a, you know, the turkeys have no, you know, they, they have no idea he's in the woods. He doesn't make a noise. They don't know he's there. And he just, you know, he just watches them and listens to them and ob- observes their behavior naturally. And uh, I think, you know, you, there's no scenario where you can learn more about turkeys than, than that right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's anyway, true. Thank there's you. one thing to learn from George is listen and don't talk when you're in the, well, when you're in the- well, thank you. Thank you for saying that. And, and I, I wish, uh, in, in all, uh, disclosure and honesty here, uh, I, I'll tell you kind of how that came about for me. Uh, going back to the King, uh, Ben Ezel, uh, I was crying and bitching and moaning about something around him and uh, watching him clean another one of his turkeys. And <laughs> <laughs> You know, I learned about turkey hunting, uh, what I call around the, the on his patio at the scalding pot. That's where he, mm. he kept a pot out there, you know, with a burner under it, and he'd get the water just right and dip them. And he, they looked stowball, you mm-hmm. know, when he got through with them and all. <laughs> And uh, and I was complaining and uh, uh, about my mishaps and he he said, "Look, boy," he said, "You just need to go to the woods." You know, it's, in other words, get on get on out of here and mm-hmm. go learn something about the turkeys, you know, and and go spend some time in the woods and and uh, and he I said, "Well, you know, I thought you could only really it that's how." young inexperienced really wasn't that young i was inexperienced i was at the time i thought you could kill a turkey in the morning i didn't know you'd kill one in the middle of the day well he said that place you got over on the river he said they're gobbling there right now and i didn't really believe him 
But I went. (laughs) 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 And it probably one o'clock when I was walking down this logging road, and there was two out there just killing it. I said, "Mm, mm, mm. I am not spending enough time in the woods. (laughs) And uh, so, you know, just the simple things. Uh, And, you know, I mean, I don't know how to describe it. It, It's, it was a, a gift to learn how to, like Neil's saying, you know, to listen, to come listen and quit trying to, you know, be like them guys on TV. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, just go out and learn a little bit about the turkeys. Now, I'm going to tell you how far I carried it. Now, everybody, y'all have read Hutto, huh? And, you know, his. Uh, yeah, the life of the turkey. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that guy. That to me, that, is, that is the ultimate. Yeah, illumination in the flag. Yeah, he lived with them. Man. I mean, that taking it, yeah, a heck of a lot further than my wife. I was me. Yeah. I don't know about yeah. you guys, but <laughs> but, but uh, I did. Now I tell you what I did. I stayed with the same flock of turkeys in February for five days straight. Hmm. Now, I went home and went to sleep like you're supposed to, you know what I mean? But I roosted them, and I was there before daylight, and I I watched them fly down, and I stayed with those birds all all day. week. Hmm. Never done that since. (laughs) And I'm, I'm, but I never didn't really didn't think about it that much at the time. It was just, (laughs) that's what I did every day anyway. I was out there doing something, but I stayed with them. And I lost them a couple of times, but I found them again. And they, and I, not that I know, they ever knew I was there. And honestly, that was that's kind of one of my most proud moments. Mm-hmm. But uh, that was a long time ago. That was back in the eighties, you know. But uh, I had a bunch of warehouse land leased out in Greene County, and and it was. They had let that stuff get. It was a pine plantation, probably one of the first ones they ever planted out there. And but that stuff had gotten forty years old, and they'd left really nice SMZs. It was like a park. It was beautiful, and you could stay with turkeys. Now I don't know how you do it in some of these places today. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know how you could do it, but I did it then. Lanny, you got something you want to ask? Well, you know, when he was talking about uh, Hutto and illumination in the flatwoods, and but the conversation earlier was about turkeys not being in the open areas. And one of the specific things I remember in that book was him talking about the pullets being able to look up at the sky and tell whether the bird was a threat or not. Yeah. Uh, and I'm just bringing that back up. I, you know, over my lifetime, I've seen a lot more, uh, you know, apex birds oh, of prey yes. as predators eagles, now. Yeah. See more eagles than I've ever seen. Yeah. So that could be, yeah, that could be a, a part that, of point. Yeah. that is a very good point. Avian predation. I know we think about that with ducks all the time because you got to have some cover for them to get on. But, and just seeing, seeing some things, you know, out in the field before, like I'm looking at turkeys and they're looking up in the sky and I'm like, what the hell are they doing? And then I look up and I'm like, oh, there's an eagle. And then I look down and they're off, you know, they're getting, they go straight to the woods and they excitedly, excitedly get to the cover and then they slow down when they get in there. So, what um, excellent I, point. I, I think that's a very good point. I, I, I didn't, I hadn't yeah. thought of that. I, I was talking with someone the other day and they made that point and their, their main reason for not seeing turkeys in fields anymore. They said, you know, the resurgence of the population of Eagles had, you know, was the main thing that they, in their opinion, yeah. why fields anymore. and then there's also like, in South Alabama, if you're anywhere around the Alabama River, you know that the bull gnats are going to be just 
absolute maw whatever uh, comes out <laughs> any openings <laughs> so yeah. we the were curtains. just talking about that this spring is going to be tough and all yeah, oh yeah it's going to be rough because i mean it's spring now yeah mosquitoes and, is and, and the mosquitoes are mosquitoes already starting and, but and the <laughs> gnats are going to touch you away. Um, yeah i think that's another reason the bull gnats live out in the open i think when turkeys when they go out and especially where we hunt in south um, you know, they go in the open, they get a tag just like we do. So I think that's another reason they don't go out in the fields. And they laugh at a thermocell. I'll just <laughs> yeah. throw that out there. <laughs> yeah. Let's hit back on that turkey that hangs up. I think that happens to a lot of people, oh, not, yeah. not, not just me. But what are some of the scenarios that make a turkey hang up that, that you cause, not physical that you like, call, yeah, like like uh, not I'm not talking about a fence or a that, creek. That don't or hang up a turkey. Hell, if 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 a ditch or a fence hung up a turkey. Oh, then they would never get anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have seen them get uh, but, to but some water. They, and... But I'm going to tell you something. I think that has as much to do with territory as anything. Hmm. I, I think they're more reluctant. I, I think turkeys use those kind of uh, man-made structures or natural structures as uh, limitations of their territory. Hmm. And... Uh, I mean, that's, that's my opinion. I can't prove it. That's a priori proposition, but uh, you know. Makes but sense. at the same time, uh, how many times uh, <coughs> have I yelped them across the highway or, or across the river? Creeks, yeah. river. I mean, river, it don't river, matter. No. So I think that, and it might. Ha- I think it has more to do with the threat of getting getting in the wrong place. Than it does, it, it probably a combination of things, probably a visual issue, where he gets where he can see, or should be able to see, or wants to see, not going to come any further, and the threat of him poaching a little bit. He doesn't have the rock rule down right, yeah. and uh, and I think that's what will hang up a turkey quicker. So is that uh, maybe getting off his stage? He's thinking. Well, he, he's, it, there's now, turkeys have more than one stage, and I, I we've talked about this before, and uh, it it all varies. It, there's it's so easy to get yourself caught up into a line of thought where this is the way it is, and don't ever think that way about a turkey because they're just as flexible as we are in every way, and they utilize their habitat to the best ability, and and so. Anything goes to a point, but the stages are obvious and and they are consistent as long as the habitat is not manipulated, you know, in a negative way and it becomes too thick. The stage is a prominence, just like a stage is. I mean, it's a stage. It's an op- it's an opportunity for him to, to see from and that enhances his survivability and it's an it's a, a place for him to to see and be seen, because they haven't evolved all this beauty and all this this glory <laughs> in the way they look in the not to be seen. So it works both ways. So it might not be any more than a little glade on the side of a hill in a thicket, or it might be a big hardwood bench on uh, New York Mountain somewhere. You know, with with cathedral rocks on either end i mean it it, but it's places stages are identified by the their use the turkeys go there to do their thing to call hens and and it's that's how i know 
this is the spot. It's not because now sometimes <laughs> I have to qualify everything I say, <clears throat> but but sometimes like Blake and I, we love to hunt places we've never been before. Yeah. It's like every every step's a discovery. Yeah. <laughs> you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And that's how exciting is that? So you, and he doesn't use maps or his phone. Or I any would. Of that, I, you no, know, no, I mean, no, he's no. not. He leaves the phone in the truck. You, <laughs> you know, that's a distraction. I, I, well, it's a, it's just a it's a matter of principle. You know, if I want to be better at something, I I don't just say I'm good enough. And and I don't try to get better at it. I, I say, okay, I got to practice. And we practice and we get better. And and to reading the lay of the land and being able to see, that's what's so important about February because that's when everything you can see. That's when you can see your neighbors and you don't want to see them. You know, and you live in town and bushes aren't thick anymore. You know, mm-hmm. well, you can see the naked lady and how the, how the slope, run and how the ditches are and you can you and that's how you learn and and you understand and you and february allows me to go places i don't go otherwise you know how habitual we are mm-hmm. and how we hunt we go here go there go why because we've had success doing that so we we do that but it doesn't allow for a lot of uh, uh of invention and but a new place does it's wide open it, everywhere you go so, you know, they, the, the opportunity for uh, discovery and, and these, these new places for me is, is probably the, the best part of it. But this, we were talking about the stage now. The stage for, for the turkey, he will tell you where it where is. is. It might change from season to season. It might change from turkey to turkey. But most of the time, they're fairly dependable, and they will have multiple stages. But you know where you're going to be opening day, and you're going to be there because you've always heard turkeys gobble in there, and you're going to be there, and you're going to have a pretty good idea which way they usually go. And, I mean, they might not go that way because, you know, even out there at the dummy line, that timber's getting bigger, and they're starting to – there's. Things are changing now, and they're using places they hadn't used in a long time. Now, you can, it's evidenced by the tracks, and that's something else we need to talk about. Spore, but uh, but the turkeys will tell you about these stages, and they and the that is where you need to go when you when our season opens this year in Alabama. There's going to be a bunch of crying suckers out there, boy. They're going to be. <laughs> The neighbor done killed all my turkeys. They're all dead. They're not going to be gobbling like they're gobbling now. Right. It's going to get pretty quiet. There's going to be that two-week period that everybody's going to be crying, and they're going to think somebody killed them all or whatever they done. <laughs> yeah, we'll, but, we'll blame Blake. Yeah. Yeah. Blake, Blake got him. <laughs> well, Blake Neil. got that place rented last year. Yeah, uh, but, uh, <laughs> but, but, you know – so if you don't have that, if you that's that's the trick for when I was first starting to guide, it's like, how do you get through this period? I went, I'm doing pretty good that first two weeks, but now I can't hear one. Well, you don't need to hear a turkey. He ain't gone anywhere. He's gonna be right where he always is. And when they're breeding, when they're they're most actively breeding is when they're the quietest. The, the least and, and they're going to position themselves in a place where they have a just like you they have had success 
gobbling hens to them. Okay, let, uh, hang on. Let's 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 say that one more time. When the when you're not hearing a lot of gobbling, you're peak at peak breeding. You have the least amount of gobbling. Why do you need to gobble? Whenever you got all of them there, you got what you want. So people it's don't need to be to scared. It goes back to that point you made earlier. There's a cost. I I hate to compare deer hunting to turkey hunting. Don't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just like the in the, the lockdown phase with deer. You know, it's that's the when they're all breeding. Thing. They're exactly. not. Why would you need to move around? And the more sounds that they're making, they're just attracting predators. They're, they're the frogs, so, right? And or they're usually gobblers. in open areas other doing their gobblers. breeding. They may be in open areas in the woods, but they're generally not in those thick areas doing it, the breeding. The thick it, areas is where they nest. It, they'll they'll stray away from those areas. They'll do their thing and break apart. Hmm. Yeah. So I had never thought about some mornings with Lanny when we go and we don't hear one gobbling. We're just like, let's get back and go get something to eat. Well, we're not to thinking the M&M that, get some eggs. We're not thinking right. that, boy, they are really. That's what's going on. That's when they're out there in the middle of those pines. Gobbling activity, it's, you know. You can hear any dang thing, and they've written everything. So, I mean, there's it's, there's a lot of smoke and mirrors out there. But, yeah, there's two peaks of goblin, traditionally. Uh, they gobble when the, the hens aren't accepting them, and they gobble more. And, and, and what you hear has everything to do with the, the, the age class distribution of your gobblers. If you've got a lot of... Two-year-olds out there, you're going to hear a lot more gobbling per bird. You know, you're going to hear. I mean, if you've got a lot of two, three-year-olds, you're going to hear a lot more gobbling. Mm. But if you're if you're top-heavy and and you are you're have more plus three-year-olds and you've had a couple of bad hatches, you're not going to hear much gobbling there at all. Because those guys aren't running their mouth. They're going to learn better. And, and, and so you're just not going to hear it. And that's when everybody goes crying the blues, you know, and. Turkeys are gone forever and never going to come back, you know. Uh, and, I mean, I, I get it. I've I've had those moments. I've had places that did dry up on me, I mean, because mm-hmm. of habitat destruction and combination of things. So I know it, it can happen. I'm trying to remember the last one I missed. Uh, I, my memory's terrible. Don't. It, Landy, I can it, feel it, you it's looking been at a few me. Years. <laughs> I don't remember. Exactly. Well, well if, you, if you had never missed any, you know the old saying, huh? You ain't never shot at many. No, uh, yeah, I mean that's. I'll never forget. I'll never forget the first one I missed because I was probably maybe twelve years old, and we were down at Portland Landing, and everybody's in camp, and, oh, and yeah. I, I was the little, you know, you know what kid running around bragging about how I'd never missed a turkey, and this was like the first time <laughs> I'd really gone around bragging about this. And I went out the next morning with Joe Champion, and I missed one at about ten steps. Uh, and that was the first turkey I'd ever missed. He was too I close. Killed him, I killed him on the third shot, but. I, I clean missed him the first time. Oh, that's not a missed turkey. Well, that turkey. was just a warning. Yeah, that is not a missed turkey. That's, well, that's, that's the first time I had pulled the trigger and, and turkey ran No, out. I got a lot of those. I don't count any of those as misses. <laughs> no, that wasn't a miss, Neil. <laughs> Technically, no miss there. Uh, but, uh, All right, Dudley, come on. You got well. another? I remember the last turkey Dudley missed. I missed two <laughs> in, a, in a row. <laughs> when they get inside 60 yards, I lose my mind. <laughs> I, I, think we all I, do. I have not grown out of being able to think straight when they're in range. I just, I don't yeah. know. but I, I, you know, I, I enjoy it's them making me crazy. Yeah. That's, so, That's why you go. Uh, it's all part of the game. Uh, so here's another, this is semi-related. Uh, this is, uh, 
somebody on Instagram, uh, I forgot his name, but his handle is a hunter's education. Um, and he says, what is your worst guiding story? So oh, what's Lord. something crazy that happened with, oh, Lord. with somebody that you well, were taking hunting? Oh, oh, I, I, I can write several stories. The, on best, that. the yeah. best one's got to be the, the drumming story. The one that you tell me about having the, the guy outdoor that didn't believe, didn't believe that the turkey, the turkey was there. Was there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, Went out to eat them before, which I always love to do because you don't carry a gun or anything like that. You just go out and listen. And anyway, I risked just two or three turkeys, one in particular, and, and I took him back in there for daylight and walked him in there and sat him down right on big, you know, typical Ozark rolling hill, broke off into a little rocky branch in the bottom down there and set him right just, I mean, perfect where turkey flies down to the underside of the hill right there and, you know, within... I figured five minutes max after fly down, he'd have a shot at you. Uh, turkey flew down, got under the hill, and I could hear him walking in the leaves. And you know, he and he didn't gobble. And I, I figured he, I could tell even before this wasn't a two year old, and uh, he was drumming back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And of course, I had Mister Harold, uh, you know, locked and loaded. Gun was up on his knee. I mean, he was down on the gun. He he kept raising his head. And I said, get, get out, get out. I mean, head was going to pop up. And and the hill turned out to be a little steeper than what I thought it was from the evening before. I didn't go up in there and, <coughs> and look at it after he flew up. But but anyway, turkey stayed down there 10, 15 minutes, back and forth. And, and, he, and he couldn't hear him. Been in those plants, I guess. And... I could hear him just playing today, just like he was drumming in my, you know, back of my seat of my truck. And, uh, and every time he'd come out of the gun, I'd tell him, Mr. Harold, get out, get out, because I knew he was going to get caught with his pants down, you know. <laughs> and uh, anyway, and finally, <clears throat> in turkey, I, I'd shut up on turkey. I scratched in the leaves a little bit, and I scared to call to him because I, I could tell he wasn't no dummy. And uh, so Mr. Harold come out of the gun, <clears throat> dropped his gun down, Said, no, ain't no turkey there. <laughs> that flew all over me, buddy. I'm telling you. <laughs> I, I, was, I was a little bit more uh, edgy back in then. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I caught an attitude real quick on the big shot. And I told him, well, I say you what, Mr. Harold, if you don't think there's a turkey there, you stand your <laughs> up and go out there and look. <laughs> and you know what? He did. And I'll never forget that guy walking out there about 10 steps. And and when I heard that, I just stood up and walked straight back to the truck. I never looked back. <laughs> now, that's a true story there, buddy. And, but I've got a bunch of them. <laughs> oh, I, I bet you do. I bet you do. Yeah. That all leads back to you, Neil. You're talking about hunting with your ears. That's the biggest thing. Uh, us as a guide, we talk about that more than anything Uh We've had more hunts that we've walked up into the the bushes and just literally listening for a turkey to be drumming before we ever decide to make a call, decide to try to strike a turkey or make any loud noise, whatever. Uh, We'll sit up there and listen. We'll get to the top of the hill and listen for 30 minutes to an hour if we have the time before we ever say anything, especially if we know there's a turkey there. they, They start drumming so early sometime. Yeah. I was in Florida the other morning. Um, Turkey was drumming, walked up to this spot. I break day, same spot every single year. 
Uh, and sure enough, I walk up there and I looked at my buddy. I said, I know I hear a turkey drumming right there. I said, there's a turkey drumming. I promise you I hear it drumming. Owls went to hoot and turkeys were gobbling off in the distance. But that turkey did not gobble until he flew down. There was a hen that was right there that started answering the sound, the drumming sound that I was hearing. And sure enough, that turkey flew down. And whenever he hit the ground, he started gobbling. But most people would have walked on, probably walked underneath They'd him, honestly, that, and that then one. gone past him to the other turkey. Yeah, especially if you can't hear drumming. Yeah, I ended up killing the turkey 30 <laughs> minutes later, you know, just because I heard the turkey drumming. And I, you just stayed put. I stayed put. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 What a I wonderful mean, sound. That's why I carry Bobby with me so I know when they're drumming. Well, <laughs> that, that, I mean, it's on. Yeah. I mean, when you hear that. But on the same token, after you have an experience like that, it sounds like I hear drumming everywhere after that. It'll definitely cause you to be a lot more uh, cautious with your steps, I guess, you know. I mean, yeah. and what? it's a good thing. Even I mean, though you may be wasting time listening to whatever it could be, uh, it's probably better to be cautious because I promise if you walk up there and you're like, no, it's not a turkey. You, and then you walk into them, you're really going to just uh, hate yeah. yourself. Oh, for now that's, that's like. That's that's Slapping a the terrible feeling. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's well, defeat. Yeah. Let's do this. Dudley, start getting your rapid fires ready. And oh, while yeah. he's doing that, <clears throat> why don't you talk just and really briefly? I don't want to – give me – you look like you're really enjoying mentoring Blake. Could you kind of speak to that yeah, a, a he, little bit? Well, you know, the, the <clears throat> what we were saying earlier about mentorship, uh, I wasn't looking for no trouble. <laughs> when I met Blake, I was just doing a favor for Diamond Jim. You know, kid wants to go turkey hunting and got his own turkey. That's a bull for yeah, us, yeah. you know? Yeah. And uh, so, uh, but Blake, he paid me back in kind a million times over. Uh, respectful. Yes, sir. No, sir. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he really wanted to learn. He was eager to learn. My dad did not turkey hunt, by the way, so that's my my first generation father of turkey hunting, yeah. I would say. So, so I didn't I didn't have that. We deer hunted a lot together, but he's a logger. He didn't have time to turkey hunt. Right. But we had yeah. plenty of turkeys. He was like I was bothering him to the point where finally he just told me he was in the shower one night and I told him, you know, I was like, Man, we gotta go down there. They've got five goblin turkeys in this <laughs> one flock and he said, Call Mr. George. I can't remember who Mr. George is, you know, and he said the man that you talked to about the deer down there in the bean field at the bar, Diamond Jim's. And I was like, okay. So I got in the yellow pages and flipped back. I got his phone number and yellow called pages. him <laughs> Called him that night. And and that next morning at 5 o'clock, I walk out on the porch, and there he was. And here he is now. Yeah, he said, you had five down there? <laughs> it was. <laughs> we went down there. We went down there, and I walked him to the tree that, that I was hearing the turkeys from. And I said, we need to be right here. And we sat down, and then the owl hooted. All of them started gobbling. He just looked at me. He said, "You were right." <laughs> Count. <laughs> and uh, and uh, that that happened. And that was just the neatest hunt, though. It was a. It made into a two day hunt. We literally followed these turkeys around all day, and it was a huge flock of them. I don't remember how many turkeys it was. Roosted them, you know. Watched them fly up on the limb. Went in the next morning, probably hour and a half, or maybe even two hours it, before daylight. It was really, really And they early. were drumming. Y'all yeah. was on Bobby time then. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> yeah. And sure enough, turkey flies down, lands, you know, from here to that post, and we, we killed the turkey, you know, so that from then on, I was like, okay, this guy knows what he's doing, you yeah. know, and I was like, that's what I want. I want to be able to hunt like that. Hmm. I want Because he, he did things and moved in ways that I've, I've went hunting with a lot of other people, 
but not anybody that was as serious as he was, I guess, is about well, every step that I, he took. I, I, t- I told him, I said, look now, if you're not serious about this, uh, you can find somebody else to take you. I mean, I, oh, I you know, I, sort of like Ezel, I guess. I, mean, I don't exhibit a lot of patience, but he showed me that there are people out there that really want to know how to do this. Mm-hmm. And, and a young man, I mean, this day and time, it's hard to find somebody that's respectful. Yes, right. I mean, I've heard so many, you know, people that I respect, you know, their kids come up there, yeah. You know, you <laughs> ask them a question, you go like, what in the world? <laughs> Who's your daddy? You know, but I don't know. Maybe that doesn't mean anything in this woke world, but it does to me. And uh, and so we spent a lot of time together. Yeah. And it now, honestly, it wasn't a whole bunch of this, Okay, boy, sit in daddy's lap here and shoot the turkey. It wasn't, it wasn't that. We split up. Uh-huh. We'd hunt. We'd go to I, a spot, and he'd send me to that turkey. My job was to get him yeah. over the hump. Yeah. That's what you're supposed to do. Not be enable somebody to never learn how to turkey hunt. You learn how to turkey hunt by getting on turkeys yeah. and making a whole bunch of mistakes. <laughs> and, and it takes turkeys to do this. And that's one of the misfortunate things about today is there's not near as many turkeys as it was 40 years ago, 50 no. years ago. So I got to learn quick because there's a lot of turkeys and there's not as many now. There's still plenty of turkeys, but there's not as many. And uh, so you have to learn how to be real careful real quick this day and time and don't mess up what you got. Yeah. And Good point. now Blake and I have spent a lot of time hunting together but where you learn to turkey hunt is that the scalding pot that's right it's the story it's how i learned now i sat in the woods with ezel and ezel he basically took me and taught me how to sit to a turkey yeah like i did you yeah 100 percent. you got that's something you got to show people a lot of times it's easier to show them than to tell them you can say it but you can't really until you show them all right, but then the calling and all this other stuff, that's very important, and it's all whatever you want to make it. But that's that's the beauty of the sport is it allows you to develop your own style. He can do things I could never do, and I might have been my best days been able to do some things better than he can do. But, you know, that's the beauty of the sport. Everybody has their unique capabilities, and, you know, that's – what makes so many different kinds of people? You ever think about how many different kinds of people love to turkey hunt? They're different, and but they they have their own little niche that they enjoy about it. And and that's you know my my time with Blake was some of the best time that I've ever spent. My youngest son Alex was the same thing, and he's like a second son. And uh, we spent that time together. And I did the same thing with my youngest son Alex. I spent a lot of time with him hunting. And we go hunting today. We don't, it's not about killing a dang turkey. He's got turkeys right over here. He's going to kill me for saying that. But (laughs) he's got, and he won't kill them. And I totally get it. He's only got so many. And he might kill one a year, you know. And it's not about, now he does have an old turkey over there. (laughs) And I spotted his track a long time ago, and he's still there. And he won't cut me loose on him, though. (laughs) Uh, smart young man smart 
Dudley, why don't you come at him with some rapid fires? We we have this little <clears throat> thing that uh, we do, and it's uh, called Rapid Fires, brought to you by Springfield Armory. Um, so I don't know if you're familiar with this, but uh, I'm going to ask you a set of questions. Mm. And uh, I want a quick answer. Hmm. And uh, so it's just I'm, <laughs> no, I'm pretty long winded, you know. I, 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 exactly, you notice that. It. So the the format of this is think about it, but give me a quick answer, um, and uh, this will just allow our listeners to get to know you. A little oh better. boy! Okay. <laughs> so um, it's about ten or twelve questions. So are you ready? What's the subject? <laughs> it's going to be hunting stuff, food stuff. You know, we're, we're food. Just, uh, well, yeah. Yeah, mayonnaise, mustard, sweet tea. Okay. Rapid fire. You can say neither or both yeah. a right. little bit, but. All right. Are you ready? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Gobble, baby. Coke or Pepsi? Coke. Polaris or Can Am? Polaris. Squirrel hunt or rabbit hunt? Squirrel. Breakfast before the hunt, bring a snack or feast after you get back? Snack. Peach cobbler or peach ice cream? Ice cream. Good answer. <laughs> tomato sandwich or fried green tomato? Sandwich. Favorite turkey decade? The 80s or the 90s? Ooh. 70s. 70s. Ah! <laughs> All right. Hunt from fly down till 9 or hunt from 9 to 12? All of the above. There you go. Boom. <laughs> if you had to choose, hunt the first half of the season or the second half? First. Uh, inquiring minds want to know turkey's gobbling at you and a coyote comes into range do you shoot him or do you run him off I've done both alright if you could hunt once with a person who isn't around anymore who would it be the king the king I figured that boom that's it Elvis good job no <laughs> the turkey king well so Ben Ezel it's uh you're asking me about the king? You want to know about my mentor? Well, I'll give you a little history. And, and, and you know, it's important, just like you were wanting to know, you know, ketchup or mayonnaise or whatever. Perspective. That's right. When you know somebody and you know where they come from, then you, you it makes more sense. You know, people are complex. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's easy to start assuming a lot of things about people when you don't know and to understand the king is the king started hunting turkeys when it wasn't none. he started hunting turkeys in the 40s when the only people that knew where turkeys were in at that time around aliceville alabama were the people that were commercial fishermen on the river hmm. and that most people called them river rats you know but they they ran hoop nets and and box traps and stuff like that. And they, they caught catfish before commercial catfishing and all that kind of stuff. And But anyway, and he used to help them after school. And a uh, young boy, and and, uh, and that river back before they channelized it, now that was one heck of a river in the springtime. It was, I mean, I knew a little bit about it <coughs> down around Laurel. If you go east of, uh, of Laurel on Highway 84, you run over, you run into the Tom Bigby over there where Ben leaves from in that mm-hmm. neck of the woods. And we used to go fishing, had a camp over there. So I knew about that river before I ever moved to Aliceville and all. So it was pretty treacherous. We lost houseboats and stuff in it. But anyway, Ezel would go and help these fishermen in the springtime. 
And they were the only ones that knew where turkeys were. And he was interested in killing the turkey. And, uh, you know, you got to understand, there wasn't any turkeys in. Now, I mean, my granddaddy was a bird hunter. Now, he he had eight bird dogs at one time. He hunted every day. And he had the passion for hunting that I do. But he was all about birds. And he lived in a period of time when there were birds like there were turkeys when I was growing up. So I didn't get to experience the wild bird thing, but he did. And uh, But he, I asked him in the early 60s about turkeys just because, I mean, I don't remember why. I just asked him. There was a whole lynch box around the house there, and he hadn't, he never told me about turkey hunting. But he said that he didn't think there were any more, that where he bird hunted, there wasn't any turkeys left. And that was in Jones County and Wayne County and and uh, Jasper County, Mississippi, and around in there. And he said, now, he, he the last time he saw some turkeys was over on the Alabama line, which would put it back toward Tom Bigby back over that way. He was bird hunting, and dogs got in some birds over there. So you got a guy from Aliceville uh, as a kid that grew, that was born right after, you know, the great demise of the turkeys, and then there wasn't any left. And uh, basically this old man that was running the traps on the river uh, knew where some were. And they were in these areas along the Tom Bigby right there that, of course, that timber hadn't been cut that at that time. Didn't have the technology or the capability to get in there and get it. And there wasn't a need for it. And and that river was very pristine. And and in the spring, you couldn't get there. It was dangerous, bad dangerous. They didn't have big, you know, Boston whalers and stuff like that. You know, and uh, had these old wooden boats they made and that kind of stuff. So that's how Ezel learned how to turkey hunt from this old river rat named Holly. And he took him down to Peachtree and he killed his first turkey. But he told me, and never let me forget, about the times when if you, you would go and you would hunt all season long. And you wouldn't hear but maybe one or two. Hmm. And if you saw a track or you saw a feather, you hit it. You stomped it out and you didn't tell anybody. So he was of that mentality. Hmm. He was still kind of like that in the 70s. He was tight lived but he he was hell on turkeys and he hooked up with a guy you might have heard before uh before his name ben rogers lee <laughs> and they gave some of the first turkey calling seminars ever at westervelt lodge and ben lee could do the talking and and Ezel could do the killing and lee was a good killer too now he could he could break a neck but it was Ezel was he little short frenchman he could slide through a briar thicket never hang up i'd I'd be like a bear back there (laughs) keep up with him you know and uh but anyway uh i he was the one that got me over the hump just like mr holly got him over the hump and he told of times when most people that were talking about killing turkeys when they killed turkeys back in those days they were mostly on deer drives and and they you know that drive the swamp and they they would uh flush some turkeys and they'd shoot them I don't know where it was legal or not back then, uh, but they, they'd shoot them. That's when turkeys were killed. But very few people, if anybody, hunted turkeys like we hunt turkeys today. And uh, and that was that was what he did. And he was doing it long before anybody was doing it. And he had access. He was friends with everybody. 
he was an uh, industrial electrician and a plumber and all that kind of thing. He knew everybody, and people didn't care back then. Yeah, go hunt. There ain't right. none out there mm-hmm. anyway. Go kill them all, you know. Yeah. And but he he would, and he did. And uh, I met him through his son, Little Ben Ezel. Little Ben guided for me at the roost when I first started the roost in Carpenter's Lodge when I uh, renovated Carpenter's Lodge and started. That was the first commercial operation I ever ran, mm-hmm. and. Uh, and I, because of little Ben, he, you know, he's younger than I was, but we got to be real good friends. And of course, his daddy had taught him a lot about turkey hunting, but, uh, it was the king that we, our, our relationship, I don't know, it was just, you know, I was Opie. Yeah. He nicknamed me Opie and, and mm-hmm. I'd do anything for him. And he started taking me all over the country. He took me to New York. He took me all over and him and Lee were tight. And we went down there and hunted around Coffeeville, and they'd come up here. And I'm, I, I don't know if you you know who Earl. Remember Earl Groves? He was the first secretary of NWTF. They hunted with, he hunted with us up in New York, Belfast. John Warner with Gulf State Paper. I mean, you know, I mean that's that was the click, the Westervelt connection, and all that. And that's how I got to know Ben Ezel. And if if you look. And I don't know how to 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 do it as well as uh, this younger generation, but there's articles written about being Ezel in sports field and field and stream. Gritz Gresham, I th- I think, oh, wow. wrote an article yeah. about coming to Westervelt and Ezel guiding him and stuff like that. So Ben Ezel was a was a professional guide long before. And he and he's the one that got me involved in the calling contests. And, uh, I mean, we went around, and he was asked to judge a bunch of them, and I, that's how I got to be asked to judge. Uh, you know, so, uh, I mean, he was my gatekeeper there. Yeah, got, got you over the hump. In it. Got you over the hump, yeah. One, one last, I got one quick hit question uh, for George. Uh, would you rather kill a turkey in pines or hardwoods? Hardwood. There you go. We had that conversation on the way over here, too. <laughs> there, there's something um, mystic about that sound, the, the gobble in the in the hardwood bottom. Uh, you know, we were Blake and I were talking on the way over here about all the places that we get to go and, and how wonderful it is. And, and, you know, you go to Montana and you kill a turkey up there, and, and it's so beautiful, and the experience is so unique, and you kind of leave there wishing you could stay forever. You know, and you travel around this country and it is a beautiful country and, and every place you go to, just like Blake just got back from Florida and that make that place makes you want to stay. But when if you're from here and if you were raised uh in these hardwood bottoms around here and you hear that turkey gobble in the spring, I mean, that's home. Oh, I totally get that and agree I with agree. you. Yeah. Well, guys, it's been fun. We enjoy it. We, we have brought you – so there's – each one of you get one of those long beard lights. Each one of you get a, a, a Stanley thermos. And then, uh, Mr. George, I've got for you uh, from everybody at, at, down here at, at the, the Moa Hole, Gamekeepers and whatnot, we've got – Mossy Oak has got this new uh, line that's been re-released Ooh. called Companions. Ooh. And I've uh, got you a companion shirt in your size. I think you're going to love Thank this. You. And, uh, Thank you. You can take that home with I, you. And it'll, I, be, it'll be your favorite shirt. Well, I I have that strap you gave me last year, and it, and it's in a prominent place in my 
in my display room, and I appreciate it. And I just appreciate you guys. I mean, y'all are y'all are doing a lot for wildlife and and the people that love them, and uh, and we appreciate having you. Well, that means a lot to us, and and so and and right back at you. But uh, look, I, I, Neil, thank you for being here. I know it, it, this it, this thing has run a little long, but there's been some good stuff, good conversation, and we appreciate you guys coming. And uh, so I think with, with that said, there's uh, why don't you say goodbye, Dudley? Goodbye, Dudley. Get us out of here, Mac Mac. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Gamekeeper Podcast, and be sure to tune in again. Subscribe to Gamekeeper Farming for Wildlife magazine and don't miss the Mossy Oak Properties Fistful of Dirt podcast with my good buddy, Ronnie Cuz Strickland.